The Sea Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the CE Podcast with me, your host, Scott McManamy, and joining me as always, except this time over Zoom because of social distancing and keeping the law, yada yada yada, it is the member of Duck Dynasty, it's Henry Capper. Henry, how's it going? Thanks, Scott. Thank you for that intro. Yes, we really do take the, the law very seriously and equally I take beard growing very seriously as well. So It's huge. Like it's, it's bigger than me yes it yes there's some small you know you know planets orbiting around it currently so do you keep it like, is lit it is literally the first thing like everyone says do you keep food so, in there like i remember uh reading Roald Dahl's uh the twits uh, and one of them keeps food in his beard and like do you have yeah. like some some <laughs> spare cheese there for later or Definitely not cheese. That would be that. That would be disgusting. Uh, it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Bread. Yeah. Maybe. No. I do not keep uh, keep uh, food. And honestly, my 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 sister um, who who lives in Scotland, seeing me and just literally was like today this morning, I was like literally just was that beard. I was like, yeah. It's like, what is going on with it? It's like, why is it? Why are you still growing it? And I just you look like a Snapchat filter. So, do you know the Snapchat filter of the beard? Like, the big beard? Uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's just, yeah, obsolete on me. There's no point on it. <laughs> it's just, no, no, there's no point at all. So, but to be honest, it's one of those things, I suppose it's like people, like, wanting to, like, do different, like, you know, dye their hair, or, like, shave their hair. I wanted to, like, properly grow my beard out and probably the, the best time ever to do something like this. So, why not? <laughs> yep fair play fair play and um, we've got some good questions um again from olivia and anna uh to chat about some really deep things um do you think shrek is just a joke or do you treat it as a cinematic master cinematic masterpiece that it is uh along with akim like favorite character of shrek and rank uh, the four movies from best to worst um thoughts on shrek yeah oh well you know me like big fan um <laughs> I'll be honest, I haven't watched all four, but if I, if I was to make a decision, I prefer the second one. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So you'd, have, I, I like, you'd have two over one? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I don't think I've watched the third one. That's the right call, because the order is, it's uh, in my opinion, it's one, two, four, and then three just doesn't exist. Three is, um, it might sound harsh, but three is a crime against humanity. What, what's um, three about? I can't remember. I, mean, I don't want to talk about it. So okay, uh, what's four about then? Honestly, I don't remember. But it wasn't as bad as okay. three. Do you have a favorite Shrek character? Um, <laughs> you can't think of any, can you? <laughs> I can think. Of, I can think of some. Like, um, uh, oh, um, it has to be Donkey. Look, it's the only one coming <laughs> apart from Shrek. <laughs> it's the only one gone there. Who's what's the Lord Farquhar? Well, that's, is, that's the truth. I was about to say he's my favorite. <laughs> he is uh, just every moment. Uh, I just think he's 
He's Some of you to... are going to die, but that is a sacrifice I'm willing to make. I think that's, that's magic. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, one thing I would say about Shrek, which is, um, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, that type of animation. It's like, I think it's like soundtrack is brilliant. See the amount of songs I think of and immediately go, this is from Shrek. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, I it just takes me straight to Shrek. So that is a big plus point for them. So there you go, Olivia. We don't think it's a joke. We think it is a cinematic masterpiece. Um, loads of loads of questions surrounding the office coming in, and I, I'm aware not all of our listeners are into the office or or pay attention to it. But um, so we'll take one. What's your favorite office character? I, I know you maybe discussed this in your Instagram live last week with Andy Moo, but uh, do you have a favorite office character and why? Yeah, well, I've. I suppose I'll have two. Yeah, I answered this uh, last last week. Uh, look, I, look, I know it's kind of obvious, but I just have to go with Dwight. Um, just think, like, I just the overall character of Dwight is just phenomenal. Like just who he is, his mannerisms, how he he gets on is just it's incredible. He cracks me up. Um, I probably he's probably the one I, I laugh at the most. Um, yeah, he's just super. But have to, he's obviously a main character, niche character. I said this last week as well. Is Nate? I think Nate comes in in season five. Okay, yeah, I think that's correct. He comes in as Dwight's assistant. It's whenever Dwight um, buys the building, and he comes in as assistant, and he sort of he's there, and then he sort of fades away. But then he he comes back again, particularly a lot in season season nine as he uh, becomes a warehouse staff and he is just just every little moment with with nate is just gold like the some of the funniest moments i can think of in the office he's there yeah and yeah he is he's a funny actually really interesting story i don't even know if you know about this but he basically like forced himself onto the office he was like a fanboy like it was a big deal and he basically like, <laughs> like contact, contacted contacted and eventually was like they just like let him on um which That's is right. actually how a lot of them actually got like a lot of the people who got roles in the office were just sort of like didn't actually intend to get roles like creed phyllis and well, creed, toby you know creed is my favorite character i just think creed is yeah. magic. everything creed does i I adore. I think he is just the perfect character. Uh, and after Creed, uh, this is very specific, but it's Florida Stanley. So when they go to when they go to Florida, I think Stanley in Florida is just <laughs> fabulous. Florida Stanley is hard to top. Only Creed can top Florida Stanley. I did. Uh, this really shows the fanboy me. I did like an online quiz. It was live uh, last week and it was on The Office and everyone was like giving like jip to like season eight and uh, it's the season nine. But a lot of people were giving a lot of jip to season eight. So I don't, I don't, I, I enjoy both of them. I don't think they're as good, obviously, but they're still good stuff. And the about the people, what's like someone said about season eight, they were like, but season eight contains Florida Stanley. He's <laughs> the dream. He's it's the like dream. he's a totally different character. He's a totally <laughs> he's, different person. He's fantastic. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> so so there, those are four men we look up to. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> None of them are real, but all of them are masterful at what they do. Um, yeah. this is a this is a question that's coming in I guess from the from the first time we took questions which is um, 
heroes of the faith. We don't really like that word, heroes, but Gilly doesn't like it. Uh, he likes to say spiritual encouragers, but spiritual encouragers of the faith, it doesn't sound quite as catchy. But um, I think it was in episode two, we discussed people who have made a personal impact on us, those that we, we know in a, in a personal way. Um, I think this question is more getting at people from history or people that we don't know that we look up to who've made an impact on us. Um, I think we've both picked two. Classic. Um, yep. We've both picked someone who's living and we've also picked a dedo. Um, so who's your who's your who's your spiritual hero who's dead <laughs> yeah i don't i don't like saying hero but i suppose if you're going to have christian heroes definitely make sure that they're they're dead ones because they can't disappoint you because they can't change you know everything about them basically um I, I think even just before i answer that question i think it's important for us to to think about like people uh, christian christians in the past uh, in the sense that you know we're, we're obviously christianity wasn't just created like 20 years ago whenever sort of we discovered it or whatever but it has a, a rich history that um, obviously follows on from what we have in the bible and sort of church history as, as what mm-hmm. we call so you know we're standing on on their shoulders which is actually something that really should encourage and reassure all of us. Sometimes there's this sort of maybe thought that, oh yeah, there's Bible times and then there's our times. <laughs> and then there's sort of like, oh yeah, there was like a world war or something. I don't know, Queen Victoria. But we sort of forget that there was a lot of things that went on and a lot of um, Christians. So um, obviously all these guys are, well, but for both of us are, are dead white guys. So uh, as, as the stereotype goes, but uh, the guy sort of has had a, you know, influence on, on me is a, a guy with the name Charles Haddon Spurgeon, or just known as, as Charles Spurgeon. And Big Spurge, is, says mate. Yeah, Big Spurge. Yeah, that's what he is known for and known as. Uh, so he was a, a, a 19th century um, Baptist uh, pastor and preacher in London and uh, the first thing I'll say to him he had the most phenomenal beard that, that explains it then that explains it this, yeah. is, this is idolatry on your face right now is it somewhat yeah it's somewhat I'm breaking like the first couple of commandments there but yeah he had an absolute rocking beard um, so if you just want to google his name uh, yeah I suppose just as a bit of an intro like I, obviously you know i know oh surprise surprise baptist but you know he's one of these guys that i i grew up in uh, in church and going to different places and like i i heard his name mentioned a lot like i heard him being referred to and being quoted and you know that was just sort of a start for me in the sense that oh a lot of people reference this guy a lot of people are talking about this guy this must be a good thing. Um, and, you know, I know obviously I'm sort of, I grew up in, in Baptist circles and all, but even things that I've sort of, you know, spawned into that are, are not specifically Baptist, there's a great re- re- respect for, for, for Spurgeon and um, for who he was and um, just the, the passions that the, the man um, had and the man, how he, he lived by as well. So, I suppose, like, how, how do you, I suppose one of the things that I would say about Spurgeon is the big thing that people will know him for is his preaching. 
Mm-hmm. And he was he was famously called or coined the Prince of Preachers. I thought that was Paul, no? Uh, yeah, Paul's a close second, okay, uh, unlucky right. Alex. And um, Paul's the, the Presbyterian Prince of Preachers. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I've heard some guys who I, you know, current active living people who I have a lot of time and respect for, you know, right across the board would sort of say Charles Spurgeon was greatest preacher of all time and that is you know that's a big claim to make and um, he is you know what some would go as far as saying one of the greatest influences on on, on, on christianity um, to this day and you know there's so much i want to sense i'm sure you're the same with the folk you're going to speak about where do you start like what do you what do you say sure yeah. I, i'll say i'll say one thing about his his history um, and I think that sort of says a lot about the influence that, that he had. So uh, he had a really dramatic conversion. He was uh, caught in a, a snow blizzard and he stumbled across uh, a small Methodist church on the outskirts. Of, of, he was born in Essex and he uh, it was a small Methodist church and it was the snow blizzard was that bad that there's only 12 people at the church and uh, the 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 guy who's supposed to be there to preach didn't show up, and um, so just somebody in the congregation got up and uh, opened God's word and preached. And um, like Spurgeon was just uh, dramatically converted at uh, I think he was fifteen, and you know he converted at fifteen. He was he grew up in a Christian family. Always like his dad, granddad, and all they were uh, pastors and preachers. And he at the age of nineteen was called the pastor, the, the the biggest Baptist church in England. So four years later, uh, that church was called New Park and it would eventually be turning and um, change its name to the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, um, which is um, maybe people have heard of that. I've been there, which is it's some setup. It's incredible. Like he was 19. Once he showed up, it was like dwindling unfortunately and it was like 200 people and by within a year it had grew to 2000 and then they had to, to move and this guy just preached all the time he basically preached and his preaching basically made like had impact on his health and he was just all about it he was preaching sunday monday tuesday wednesday his Sermons were being put on the paper and were being put across the whole world. And, you know, obviously he was, uh, he was a, he was a charismatic guy, but, you know, a lot of people loved him. A lot of people really did not like him. Um, he died early enough. He died at the age 57. And just, just when he, when he hear this, once he died, he had not one, not even two, so not three or four, but he had five funerals. <laughs> yeah, what? they would say, just according to history, that was in eighteen ninety two. London came to a standstill. People just stopped what they were doing that day. Um, they had to have those so many funerals because there's so many people wanted to, um, obviously pay their respect. And My goodness. this this man had like in one sense he was like a real life 
like celebrity, like everyone knew him, like Christian or not, like everyone knew right across the world um, of this man. Um, but that's a little bit about Puts the history a of funeral. It. My goodness, five funerals. But he, he also he also had some struggles, didn't he? Yeah. So uh, he had a one of the big things for him was was well he would obviously call it uh, melancholy, but that's obviously what we have called depression. He struggled um, very regularly with bouts of depression, um, and he he was very open about that. And that's one of the things that is striking that you listen to him, and he is he's he doesn't hide it. He never puts up this sort of like I am some perfect Christian. And um, once you read his stuff, um, and he had spent a lot of time basically in the summer, he had to. Um, flee if that's the right word to, to Marseille uh, for the sun to get uh, some vit D and he had to spend time there because he was not a well man and that was probably due to the fact of how busy he was in mm. his earlier years like yeah. he basically he prepared to preach and he preached and then he prepared to preach and he preached and that was his life like that's what he did round, round, round the clock yeah, so because I've read about him getting up and basically saying, like to a packed out church, I I don't want to speak to you today, but mm-hmm. I have to. So here we go. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine Gilly doing that at CE? Don't want to do this, but God's making me. So here we go, and people still getting saved. Like it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty I suppose the 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 last like sort of two things I would say in just um about him is obviously his his convictions and like he the two things if you ever obviously can't listen to his stuff you have to read his stuff um and you might have came across his devotions evening and morning which are very famous and a lot of his books and whatnot but he's a guy who was able to take you know truths of the bible or maybe what we would call theology or doctrine but the love of people and he would bring them together you know, he loved, you know, what the Bible talked about. He loved it, but he loved people. And he was so desperate to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. These weren't two sort of polar things. These things married perfectly together. And, and obviously what we would think is they can't be separated. Um, and that is very clear in, in his in his life and how he, he preached. He was all about the gospel and i suppose that just goes into the, the final thing i want to say i don't think i've ever came across a person who is more quotable and that sort of comes back to the initial thing i, I said at the start like some of his quotes are just phenomenal he was actually really funny and um, some of the things he says were really humorous but like one of the quotes that i love and this is actually this is this is a condensed version this is much bigger and he says a sermon without jesus christ is like an ocean without water and you know that is that is just a powerful imagery that is placed into our minds you know imagine listening to someone open up the bible and not mentioning jesus or not you know exalting jesus his point is that's like an ocean without water Mm. it's just nothing yeah it's just it's you know there's there's other ones that he said and i just i love it and you know he's one of these guys that transcends time as well obviously so he's he's had a, a good amount of influence on me uh, 
maybe what you'd say hero but enough of that I've I've went on rambled too long that I've went for a big classic Baptist with surprise surprise who would you say has been a spiritual influencer for you for for me my my dead guy um is <laughs> is is a brethren uh which is mental because like what's a brethren it's not like northern irish brethren to be fair he's an american brethren which is just basically a baptist in it um and it's it's a guy jim elliott um uh jim elliott was uh, a missionary to um to ecuador to the indigenous people in ecuador to a tribe and he is just unreal just just the way he lived his life he, he died uh, you said spurgeon was young when he died jim elliott was 28 when he died which makes me scared because I'm, I'm 26 that's not i'm 28 there you go so dead um uh but jim jim elliott's story is unreal um i remember reading it um, I think it must have been about twenty twenty one. Um, his, his wife Elizabeth Elliot, who you know is right up there with him in my opinion, as you know spiritual hero or whatever phrase you want to use. Um, she she wrote a book, uh, a biography about Jim Elliot called Shadow of the Almighty, and it just details his his short, unfortunately, uh, I guess in some sense of the word, uh, his short story um, about being a missionary to to Ecuador. Um, if you if you look at Jim Elliot's early life, um, he became a Christian, I think, when he was about six. Uh, and f- from when he was a young man, he just lived with such conviction for Jesus. Uh, something that really convicts me and something really challenges me. He just did everything for Jesus. He was really clear about his faith. He took every opportunity that he had. He's a really gifted order, so he's really good at speaking. Uh, and he used that. In fact, his his teacher thought he should be an actor. But he realized that he had this God-given ability to communicate. And he wanted to use that for the Lord. So he went to college and after uh, university decided he wanted to be, he felt a call to go to Ecuador to this this tribe um, that I can't pronounce. So I'm not going to try. But it's (laughs) a real savage tribe that have never heard the gospel. And with a group of men and, and their wives, eventually, um, they started making contact with this indigenous tribe of savages. They, they flew over. Um, they lived up in the mountains in Ecuador, and they kept on flying over and dropping them packages and parcels of food, uh, starting to make contact. Um, and they thought that the contact initially was pretty favorable, uh, and that's the, that's the vibe the tribe were given, at least. Um, they didn't really know that the tribe were just waiting for them to come down to kill them. But, but Jim Elliot, um, I think even if he knew that, he wouldn't have cared. He, he wrote in his journal, I think he died um, in 1956, but he wrote a journal that his wife later then published lots of quotes. And like Spurgeon, just quote upon quote, you could just take and throw yeah. in any talk or sermon or blog or whatever else. Um, he wrote in his, his journal in, in 1949, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Like that's unreal. And that's how he lived. In 1956, after all these, I think it was about four years, of learning the language of this tribe, of making contact, him and his, um, I think, him and a few others landed, made contact, met the tribe in person, and then were killed. They were they were killed um, as they told this tribe about Jesus. And you might look at that and you might think, what a waste. Like, 
This 28-year-old guy, young, full of potential, could have been a star, could have done anything. And he, he dies by having a spear thrust through him at the age of 28 in Go Backwards version in Ecuador. Um, like, what a waste. Um, but he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Uh, and later, later um, the wives of those people who were killed by the, the Ecuadorians... Um, we're able to make contact again. We're able to uh, love these people. We're able to lead this tribe to Jesus. And now in Ecuador, there, in this tribe, there's a really strong Christian presence because of Jim Elliot and the sacrifice that he made. He used his gifts. He used his abilities. He followed God's call in his life. He gave up his life in order that others that hated him, others that actually killed him, could come to know Jesus. Um, which in a lot of ways is the most Christ-like thing there is, isn't it? Um, so I yeah, think yeah. I think he's unreal, and if you look at his wife's story, how she, uh, you know, continued, um, how she struggled. I mean, can you imagine the 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 difficulty of having to forgive people who, who killed your husband, who killed the love of your life at such a young age, and to forgive them, and love them, and treat them as your family, and tell them about Jesus, um, it's unreal. I think everybody should read his story. You know, it's uh, it's pretty challenging. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm aware of that story. And I suppose the one thing, you know, and Jim Elliott sort of, uh, you know, he's probably the archetypal individual, but there's other stories of, you know, guys going out and, mm-hmm. and laying down their lives. And it's tragic. But one of the things that just comes with me is how, like, Jim Elliott lives with it. Di- and that, those type of folk live with a different perspective. They live with eternity in view. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is helpful for us. Look, the likelihood of us, you know, being in the situation as what he is, is is, is slim. And we, we respect that. But he lived with his, you know, he did not hold tightly onto the comforts of, of his life. Yep. And mm-hmm. like, there's just so much, like we are not all called to go to, you know, the, the outer tribes in, in some, you know, South American remote part of the world. But there's so much to be taught and to be challenged by in the sense of what we prize in our lives, even to the extent, do we prize our lives more than, than the the gospel and people hearing the gospel? Look, let's be honest. We we do. Yeah. I I, I prize my embarrassment over people hearing the gospel. I'd rather not be embarrassed. Um, no, it's it's a it's a massive challenge, and, and you know, and we realize you know we've skipped out what you know eighteen hundred years here of church history. You know, there's like um, loads of people who came before Jim Elliot, who came before Charles Spurgeon. Uh, these are just people who 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 stick out to us. Um, um, maybe just within this past week that we've thought about this. Um, those are yeah. our our dead guys. What about old guys who are still living who've made an impact on you? <laughs> Yeah, again, they're, they're, again people old. you don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're they're still old. They're still mm-hmm. uh, they're still white, uh, <laughs> but they've had a profound influence. Uh, I suppose mine's not a huge surprise, and it's probably one that people could relate to a little bit more. And uh, mine's uh, I'm going to go with uh, John Piper. Um, I actually really wrestled. Charles Spurgeon was kind of an easy one, I think, uh, for me. Uh, I had thought about C.S. Lewis as well. But, and then once I thought more relevant, I had a few other folk that I, I thought about. But I think, as I just think about John Piper, 
And obviously John Piper is what, like 75, I think now. And, you know, the impact that he has had um, globally in regards to the, the ministry he, he, he formed, which is Desiring God, which so many people will have uh, connected with and will have at least seen. Mm. And, you know, the books and the resources that he has produced and the sermons that he has preached and that have, have went uh, went right across this world. You know, it's it's always the case. It's not until someone, you know, dies and you look back in their life and you're like, wow, they really have done um, so much. I suppose the first thing I would say about um, Piper, and I suppose a lot of people would say this as well, you know, as I was sort of like you know, maturing in my faith around the ages of 17, 18 i always remember um like first encountering like john piper and like hearing like his sermon and like immediately being like this there's something different there's something that isn't what i'm usually getting and not to say what i was usually getting was bad or wrong but there's just something about the way he is preaching and the way he is talking about god and particularly the glory of God that is just compelling. Um, and, you know, there's, I think, you know, like Piper has probably preached some of the, the most, you know, in the last, you know, number of decades, definitely in the last decade has preached some of the most impactful sermons on like, app because the, the beauty of the internet and technology that has had such a, a global um, span um, you know, I still, you know, Piper obviously has written uh, one of the most famous Christian books in recent years, Don't Waste Your Life. And, you know, I just remember reading that book and like, like my heart, like my heart was beating as I was like reading the stories and how he was writing. And actually, I don't think he's a, he's a much better preacher than he is a writer. Hmm. But then like, I still remember like the first time, you know, his most famous sermon, which is what led to Don't Waste Your, Waste Your Life, um, which was is actually, I think it's 20 years old or just recently turned 20 years, was a, a sermon he preached at a, a Passion con- a One Day event in, I think it was Atlanta. Tennessee. It wasn't Atlanta. I know Passion's in, it, it was It was like a One Day event in Tennessee, I think. And, you know, there's like 20-odd thousand people at this pack, all people, like, 18 to like 26 or so and you know he preaches that that sermon about the seashells and he starts off with something similar to an example of jim elliott and he says about the tragedy of these folk who were missionaries connected with their church and yes they were much older i think they were 80s but how they tragically tragically died but they went to cameroon and um you know, laid their life down and like just hearing the way he, he spoke about the high, that wasn't a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and talks about what is a tragedy and basically outlines the American dream, which is, you know, which is basically our, all of our dreams, you know, you know, get the past to heaven, you know, tick that box off, you know, have a family, wife and kids, nice house, comfortable job, retire early, you know, sail off into the sunset mm, yeah and this idea and he just tears it to shreds and like i still like i said about reading the book like watching that sermon was just 
you know, I actually watched it recently and it still had the same effect on me. Um, I just, I think for Piper, he's one of these guys, I, I have to say, actually, I don't agree with everything that Piper says. Um, there's some things I would actually say, I, I, I don't, you know, sit in the same sort of corner of the camp as him in, in, in some things, but there's just a passion. There's an earnestness. There's a man who is devoted to God and his glory and that being the number one concern in his life and in all of our lives Mm. that would be you know above everything else we would want to live for the glory of god and how he sets that up in in comparison to everything else you know it's just it's yeah it's 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 compelling it's yeah and it's you know it you know i it's been great. I'll, I got to hear him, you know, I know this is virgin on idolatry, but, you know, got to hear him at the, the Sing conference last year in Belfast, which was, which was very sweet. That was a good, a good to actually, it's one thing watching a YouTube video. It's another thing, actually being present. So that was a, can I say something ticked off the bucket list? <laughs> this, this <is laughs> great. Idolatry session for you. Got, yeah. got a beard to worship Spurgeon. Got to see Piper. <laughs> yeah but like i think yeah you know i think you look at again and i think one of the big things and i know i can say this about your two guys and my two guys as well consistency is a massive thing you look at their lives there's no like blips like in the sense that you know massive uh, like failure and and falling in sin you know there's a consistency in in life and ministry and um as husbands as um as just people, you know, they were real and honest. They were sold out for, for, for the gospel. Yeah. And, you know, look, I would, you know, probably one thing for a takeaway for people would be to actually go and watch that, that sermon. Sure. Um, yeah. just, just type in passion 2000 or type in John Piper seashells <laughs> into YouTube and you'll find it's only like 38 minutes or something. It's, it is it's powerful stuff. Yeah. Well, that's Piper for me. Okay. Who is your living, uh, old white guy? <laughs> I see your John Piper and I raise you a Ray Ortland. Uh, Ray oh. Ortland for me is just, um, so he's a, he's a, he's a pastor in the States. Um, he's also like a scholar. Um, but he uses all that to point people to Jesus. Um, I think he's, I think he's 70 or 71 and he's just, how I want to be when I'm 70 I don't want to be Ray Ortland, but I want to be the way he is as a 70 year old when I'm 70 um, you know, he is just this gracious godly man who um, if you if you read his books and his books have impacted me massively especially his little green book The Gospel um, another book we've talked about here uh, as well as um, Supernatural Living for uh, Ordinary People I think it's called um, just he's this unreal writer who's gracious who's this way with words who loves jesus and has this really infectious love for jesus like you hear ray orland talk about jesus and you fall more in love with jesus um he's a guy who's you know struggled in his life he talks about that he talks about it regularly about how god's been good to him in his struggles about how um jesus has become greater in that about how he has dealt with doubts and and, and failures and, and everything else but I think the thing that stands out most to me about Ray Orland is um, 
I, I think it, I think he was fifty seven. He's fifty seven or fifty eight. And you know, you've just talked about the American dream. There are people um, thinking about retirement at that age. Um, I look at my parents, and they're thinking about re- retirement. Whatever else, no, no harm to my parents. Fair play to them. Um, but at 50, 57, 58, uh, he 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 took the decision to plant a church, which. If you talk to people who do that, it's a very difficult thing uh, to start up a church, to start pastoring people and caring people. Um, it's 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 hard. It's hard work. Like being a pastor is hard work. Being a a pastor of a new congregation and finding its feet is really hard work. And at fifty seven, fifty eight, when he could have been thinking about retirement, he decided, "I'm going to plant a church," and that's what he did. Like that's unreal. And <clears throat> like the church that he has, it's grown. It has a real great witness in the community um and maybe best of all they put all their sermons online for free so any week when i when i have to preach my church and flip nobody wants to listen to me i don't want to listen to me um it, it's a good opportunity for me then that that week to go and listen to ray ortland and you just he is just like a, a big hug to listen to you, you listen to him <laughs> and you just yeah, it's a it's a big hug. You just know that that God is who He says He is. That He's a gracious God. That He's a loving God. Um, as I say, He makes me love Jesus more. And at seventy, like He uses Instagram, He uses Twitter, um, and He's not one of these like hipster boyos trying to be cool. He has no interest in being cool. Um, which maybe that's why I can relate to him because I'm the opposite of cool. Um But he is, you're not supposed to laugh there. Um, but uh, <laughs> but he is just, just godly. Um, he's got um, a bunch of kids. I think he's got four kids as well. Um, three fellas and they're all like pastors or scholars as well. Um, and I've got some of their books as well. And if he, he, the kids that he's produced and their love for Jesus is a real testament to him as well. And it's the sort of thing, you know, when I'm 70, um, I want to have kids that love Jesus. I want to have grandkids love, love Jesus. And I want God to use me to make that impact, not just on my family, but on people around me as well. And I looked Ray Orland and I see that in action, you know. That's great. I yeah, obviously I'm not as big a fanboy as Ray Orton. And three things come to my mind once I think of of Ray Ortland. Uh, one of them is you've already mentioned is that a little green book that we we give away mm-hmm. uh, last last week, two weeks ago, uh, which is superb. Just can read it in one sitting. Uh, phenomenal book regarding just the the simplicity but the beauty of the gospel and what it is. And really, it, it's it is genuine. One of those books, I think all Christians should read. The second thing is the, you know, you're saying about his love for Jesus being infectious. I I still remember that the, there was a little video that went kind of viral in the subsets of, of Christian Twitter sphere. And it was his call to worship Mm, um, about a year or so ago. And how he, you know, you think of like, you know, someone getting up to stand. Oh, hello. Welcome to church. Good to see you. We're here to, to worship God and blah, 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 blah. And he got up and basically he gave a call to worship. And after he said that, they could have had the benediction and they could have all went home because it was one of the best things I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, so that sticks with me. But one of the things also that really sticks with me is, you know, you're saying about not being cool. Like it, it is so evident. It's not about him. He, he stepped down as pastor last year. Wasn't mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, 
let's be honest, he probably could have stayed on, but he knew, you know, there's much bigger things going on and there was the right guy, right time. And, you know, the transition was right. And that's really good. I see so many guys uh, are like, you hear stories of guys holding on. They don't need to be 70. They could be just like in their forties or something. They hold on to being the, you know, the top dog and they just need to let go and move on or like retire. And they don't, and you hear, you know, messy situations of, of what happens because they don't because they love leadership they love power they love being at the limelight mm, yeah. and i i remember i remember once i heard that he was retired or it was stepping down retiring i was like what well why why is he doing that and you sort of you see it it's like uh it's because it's not about him yeah and he's doing all the things in his retirement you know he's yeah. got this title with uh with his church that he you know left like pastor to pastors they free him up they give him resources that he can go and care for other people and give them advice and uh, love everybody else you know with the, just a specific situation that he's given I just think that's class um, those are our four I guess spiritual encouragers to use the language of Gilbert Carson um, as he's known to his French fans um, do check them out we'd really encourage you to go and check them out again we're not saying we agree with everything they've ever said um, we mightn't uh, but Charles Spurgeon Jim Elliott Johnny Pipes and uh, Big Ray Big Ray Orland you should, you're well worth your time find them find their stuff on the internet ordering some of their books having a bit of a read if you've got some time to kill which you do because everybody does um, so check those guys out um, hopefully you find this helpful we have rambled on long enough uh, join us next week for another edition of the CE podcast but until then from me Scott and from Henry goodbye see you later guys